You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Happy Sunday morning. College football week 11 is officially done. This is Winning Cures Everything. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And, uh, man, not a ton of big stuff, but, you know, we had a fun weekend. That was good, right? Sure. (laughs) Hey, we still got football this morning, as a matter of fact. Hearing about... uh, Two hours. We were recording this at 9 a.m. Central Time, God's time zone, of course. But we still have Cal and UCLA to get to, but we won't include that on the recap. I'm sure you guys want this thing uh, as quickly as humanly possible to be able to listen to today while you're doing the other stuff. So, uh, with that said, go ahead and give you the rundown. WinningCuresEverything.com is the website. All of our picks, previews, podcasts, videos, social media platforms, etc. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast, of course. Leave a nice five-star review Anywhere that you get your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, you know, whatever it is, go ahead and knock that thing out for us. We do a live show Monday, Wednesday, Friday over on Winning Cures Everything on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, and Twitch. And we are on Sportsbook Reviews YouTube page on Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday. So make sure you are subscribed there as well. Um, Man, we do a lot of stuff. (laughs) Every time I read that off, I'm like, man, that's a lot. Um, so yeah, all we ask is that you subscribe and that you, uh, share the show out, tell your friends, leave a nice comment, leave a nice review, whatever it is. So knock that thing out. Um, Hey, so I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you choose your own adventure today. All right. Because there was no like overwhelmingly big story from this weekend. I don't believe. Right. Nope. So would you like to start with happy, good, you know, fun talk, or would you like to start with, uh, despair? Disaster! What the hell is going on? Talk. Uh, let's talk with let's let's go with despair. <laughs> let's let's get the bad news out of the way, right? No, uh, okay, yeah. Well, that's what I, I don't know that it would be bad news, but we will start first with Wisconsin forty nine and Michigan eleven, and this was a complete and total thrashing. I don't remember the last time that I have seen a Michigan team get. This 
thoroughly dominated. Now, it, there's always been the Ohio State stuff, right? Ohio State could always score on them, but, but Michigan always was able to at least put points on the board, etc. Wisconsin did not even allow Michigan to score. Like, their, their only touchdown in this game came in the third quarter. Like, the only points for Michigan came in the third quarter. They were down 28 to nothing at the half. It was never even close. Now, I, I had an issue because I did not know. Like, I, I just could not believe that it would be as bad as it was. And we both thought, well, the only way that Wisconsin will be able to dominate them is if they have Graham Mertz in the lineup because they'll be able to throw the football almost at will yes. on this Michigan defense. And that was not what happened. Graham Mertz was 12 out of 22 for 127 yards. He had two touchdowns. They ran the ball 51 times for 341 <laughs> yards and five touchdowns. Is, is that good? 300 <laughs> yards on the ground? They averaged 6.7 <laughs> yards per rush. That is insane. I mean, it's just... they. Here's how many guys had runs in this game. Uh, let's see. Jalen Berger, uh, John Chenal, Nakia Watson, that's three. Danny Davis the third is four. Shamiri Dyke is five. Mason Stoke is six. Kendrick Pryor is seven. Graham Mertz is eight. And Stephen Bracey is nine. Nine guys ran the football 51 times for an average of 6.7 yards per carry, and Michigan could do nothing about it. Every week, this Michigan team looks more and more like LSU. I had, So, I don't think – I'm curious because I, I was curious about Penn State as well, and we'll get to them. But has this team quit? Like is they, are they no, just no, done? I don't. I don't think they've quit. I think there's a world that they're just not this good, Gary. Why can't Why can't you just be not good? I just can't believe. Because I'll tell you this: I know my Tigers haven't quit, but we also can't stop anybody from running the football like that. We also had Missouri run run on us, put up over over 600 yards of offense. We also had Mississippi State put up over 600 yards of offense against us. And These Auburn, are two teams that are not yeah. great. Well, this game is is what the Auburn LSU game was, I guess. Yes, yes. Yeah. Why, why is it that they just aren't good? I I think because it's so hard for me to comprehend the idea that Michigan in year six of Jim Harbaugh, who who you and I both like, like yep. we both have seen him be a really good head coach. And I don't think that it's the coordinators. I don't. I mean, maybe it is Don Brown. Maybe Don Brown's just really old. But I think there's something to be said that maybe Jim Harbaugh has just lost that touch, man. I don't know. I don't know I don't, what's I don't know, going on. I don't know the answer. <laughs> I don't know the answer. It, it just don't feel like they've quit. I just feel like they're just getting beat. And there's a difference. There's a big difference. I mean, Michigan is – so if you just look at 247 recruiting, like Michigan is 10 spots higher in recruiting, like overall for the last four years – than Wisconsin is. It, I don't think it's an issue of the How dudes. many spots higher is LSU than Missouri? Oh, way, way up there. But that, that's what I'm saying is, like, the talent is there. But this, So there is a lot to be said for inexperience, and we've talked about that. So maybe that's That's, that's what I'm trying to say. This year has been the year where inexperience 
is way, way more important or experience than talent. Well, I mean, it's not even close. It's not even measurable. So the Missouri thing, though, I can understand that because that was a close ball game. LSU had a chance to win it at the no, end, that's right? That's fine. But it, there are other games that haven't been close. What We've out-recruited the hell out of Auburn, too, by the way. Maybe not by 10 spots. But I don't know that there's been a single season since Orgeron's been there that Auburn's out-recruited us. No, no, no. But that, both of those teams are top 10 in recruiting. And, and, it's, and we got know. the shit kicked out of us. I mean, the shit kicked out of us by them. Yes. The, the Auburn game is a game that, that flipped based on turnovers, et cetera, right? And now Joe Milton threw two picks in this game, but you know, I mean, we're not. I'm, I'm we're just not telling you. I'm just telling you. It looks the same to me. I'm just. I, I, what I, I guess I, it just looks the same to me. What I'm That's what I'm all. questioning is the fact that they got completely and thoroughly dominated in the trenches, and it was not even close. There was nothing that said that Michigan had any chance. In the, like, you could tell it from the first drive. Okay, that's fine. Wisconsin's going to do that to almost every team they play that's not named Ohio State and maybe next week against Northwestern. They're going to be that much better than everybody in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Um, so now Wisconsin, who who now sits at 2-0, and uh, gets to go play Northwestern this week for basically the Big Ten West. And... If Northwestern's smart, <laughs> then they will they will come down, come with, down the with the Rona. Yep, they will come down with the Rona because one more lost game and Wisconsin is no longer eligible for the Big Ten championship. That's and right. Do you think that this Wisconsin team, if all of their games hold up, are they capable of beating Ohio State? I think so because I don't think any of the super juggernaut teams are flawless this year. I agree. I think they all have flaws. Now, I think they're unbelievably good, and they're a lot better than everybody else, but they still have their flaws. Yes, yes. Wisconsin has the actual perfect team to beat an Ohio State or an Alabama is is not to try to match them tit-for-tat scoring, but also slow the game down. If they want to take all 30-something seconds off the clock every time and hold the football. And instead of going out of bounds when they run these balls six and seven yards a run, they just go down inbounds um, and just and just keep the other team on the sidelines. What you do in that situation is, yes, you still have to score match for match with them every time, but you also make that other team feel frustrated. You, you, there's a mental thing where they're used to getting 47 possessions a game and now they're going to get 13 and you're going to just make them feel like there's pressure. That's not really there. Yeah. 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 I, I think there's anxiety and standing on the sidelines, watching the other team destroy you like that. I definitely think their defense Wisconsin should be able to do maybe not as easily as they did to Ohio, uh, North, uh, Michigan, but I I don't see Ohio State's defense stopping this Wisconsin offense either, especially if Mertz is healthy. Yeah, because they they are capable of throwing, but they obviously showed in this one that they can run the football. I mean, they they had to listen for four weeks about people saying that they can't run the football. Like they could not run, not that they could not run, but they did they just not chose run as not well. to. Obviously, it, yeah, it. it the first week against Illinois, they ran for 3.6 yards carry, it, but they didn't have to run the ball, so it was just a whole different, a whole different perspective. So we'll we'll move off of that. Let's move let, into. Let me ask you this: uh, I, I, I know we're going to get off that, and we spend way too much time on one game. That's not even like a great big game. We're going to do a closing line show later tonight. 
opening I mean, night. Opening yeah. night so later tonight, Michigan Rutgers next week. What do you set that line at? Uh, Michigan will be favored by a touchdown. Six points. Oh, holy shit, I think a touchdown's a lot. I don't think I Michigan's think it is favored too. by a touch. I don't think Michigan's favored by a touchdown by anybody. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I I would say I would say six points, six or seven points. So All right. it, it just uh, the talent discrepancy. I mean, Rutgers just got beat at home by Illinois. Like, you know, we we can talk about how bad Michigan is, but you know, getting getting your brains beat in by Wisconsin, um, you know, it, it's, it's just, a lot of teams it's just perception. It's just yeah. perception of betters. Yeah. That's all. No, you're you're right, right. about that. Let's um, move on. Moving into the next one, Notre Dame, forty-five in Boston College, thirty-one. Uh, so I was on ESPN Chicago yesterday for a little bit and talking to uh, the guys on the College Tailgate Show or whatever it is with uh, with Jonathan Hood and, and that bunch. And I we were talking about uh, uh, Phil Dracovich, and I said the name two different times, and I I asked him. I said. How are you supposed to say, is it Phil Jerkovich or Phil Jerkovich? And they said, well, I guess it just depends on what part of the country you're in. I said, well, in Memphis, we just call him Phil. And I said, he would be the difference in the game. He would be the one that steps up. And I was incorrect on that. I said, I still think that Notre Dame can cover, and they did. But I said, I think that he is going to be the one that steps up. Now, he had a separated shoulder, still played through it, you know, all these different things. But Notre Dame came out and put up 45 points and looked like the significantly better team for this entire ball game. And and that we we knew that there was going to be some kind of an emotional letdown and I don't think there was. I think Brian Kelly has this team coached up uh, dialed where, in. Yes, it doesn't matter who they're playing, they're just going to beat them every week. So let me ask you this. This is something that I noticed in this game because I've watched every Notre Dame game so far. This is the second week in a row that this offense looks really good. Yes, it does. Now, up until last week, this offense hasn't been impressive an entire week, an entire uh, a full game. Yeah, yeah. And now we've got two. Now, this is not a juggernaut defense, but it ain't like there's a whole lot of juggernaut defense out there in the ACC. <laughs> we've got two weeks in a row where this offense looks pretty incredible. Man. 557 total yards. They had 283 passing, 274 rushing. Uh, Ian Book, 20 out of 27, 283 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, he looked fantastic. Uh, now, our boy John believes that he is the f- leader in the clubhouse for the Heisman. Now, you know how I feel about Ian and his yeah. potentials at the next level. Do you think that he's going to be able to hang with these statistical juggernauts from from Trask and, and Wilson? Uh, Trask, Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, like all these guys uh, – no, I, I don't think Fields, so. Fields won't have the numbers because he's going to play three or four less – maybe not three or no, four. No, no, but he's he, going to play two or three less games than these other guys. Right, but he will have – he's got the name cachet, and yeah, he's also you, got yards per game. Yeah, but when you look down at Kyle Trask, and he's averaging six touchdowns a damn game, yeah, at some point in time, when you play ten of those games and the other guy only plays eight games and he's only averaging three or four touchdowns, which is still incredible, it, it, it somebody's going to say, holy shit. These two things are not like the other. Here's here's what Ian Book needs to have happen. He needs uh, Alabama to lose to Florida. He needs Florida to lose to somebody else. I mean, like he he needs it to because the the voting ends on the twenty first, right? But so hang he, on, you think you think his wins and losses will matter more than all of these crazy stats being put up by these guys? Uh, yes, because it, it's oh, been shown know. it's been shown over the years that uh, they he needs. 
to have like a perfect season with the stats that he has. Like if he has a perfect season and they go and they go beat Clemson again, right? This he's year, not going to have a four touchdown game in this book. Here, Everybody else is going to have three or four of them. It, it, so last year, if his, not more than that, his numbers were absurd last year. Right? It, yes. He was last year. His last year was his year. Last year's year, I said he would be the best quarterback in this draft. He was. Uh, he had over three thousand yards passing and thirty-four touchdowns, six interceptions last year. A QBR of uh, well, his quarterback rating was one forty-nine last year. Um, this year, his quarterback rating is one forty-eight point six. So right there, but. He's got 1,818 yards, 11 touchdowns, and one interception, right? So it, he doesn't have fantastic numbers. Now, they are, they're great for what they need him for, but Notre Dame runs the ball 60% of the time. Like, I, yes. It, so they don't need him to be I, I get that, but at some point in time, it's still a statistical reward. Yeah, no, that, that's what I'm saying is that it's a, it's a very statistical award, but – it has been shown that it typically goes to the best player on the best team unless there is a guy that is really good that's right up there at the top that's going to make the playoff, and you know, and and then you can't really give it to anybody else. But I don't think his numbers are going to be. I agree with you. I don't think his numbers are going to be there to to get him the. I award. love the guy, and I would love for him to win it. This is this is this is a completely different. I'm not I'm not crapping on him. I. I don't think I just think we live in a world of stats today more than we ever have. Yeah. Oh, he had a he had ten carries and eighty five yards rushing, by the way, <laughs> along with another touchdown. So that's he, great. But I think I think I think some of these other quarterbacks have ran the ball way more than him. Oh, they have. They they absolutely have. I mean, Justin Fields and, and Trevor Lawrence do it fairly regularly. Like Lawrence doesn't yeah. do it a ton because he doesn't have to. No, Lawrence, Lawrence doesn't. But you know, but he but he can. He showed it last year against Ohio State, right? So we we saw that long ass run that he had last year. But, uh, but, yeah, Notre Dame just keeps trucking along. You know, 45-31, pretty impressive This, this is the best their offense has looked all year, which yes. I guess if you want to be peaking, you want to be peaking right now, right? Uh, you've got that right. So they uh, they have got a week off, and then they go to North Carolina. So we will see what happens with that. North Carolina was not super impressive. We'll get to them once we get into the ACC stuff. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was a fun game. Very fun game. Uh, let's move into Miami 25 and Virginia Tech 24 and goodness gracious, Virginia Tech again loses a close game at the buzzer. It just, it just completely ridiculous. I was, you know, we, you were very high on Virginia Tech this week. If for, you know, the only reason behind that was the books have uh, have have chosen a side, right? Yep. And and it looked for a large portion of this game like Virginia Tech was going to handle it. They had multiple leads in this game, and they allow Miami to just come back, score six points in the fourth quarter at the very end, get this thing done. Derrick King didn't look good. They were missing a ton of guys. Manny Diaz said after the game that uh, they were, you know, a couple of players away from not being able to even play this week, and they still find a way to get the win. So they are 7-1, and 6-1 and one in the ACC, uh, still a top-10 team. Virginia Tech sitting at 4-4. Four and four. Um, You know, I don't know what to do with Justin Fuente. Right now, uh, Justin Hamilton, uh, you know, it, it, with with the team that was missing as much as as Miami was, uh, for him to allow that team to go down the field and score there at the end, it, it just it really. <laughs> if if you are a Virginia Tech fan, you have got to be just at your wits' end on this. Miami had three hundred eighty six total yards, only one thirty one rushing. That was two point seven yards per rush. 
So Virginia Tech's defense held them down as far as running the football. Um, Miami had eight penalties for 77 yards. Virginia Tech only had two. Um, you know, you look at the box score, and it's, you know, it's supposed to be a close game. But you feel like Virginia Tech had this thing won multiple times, and they just couldn't get it done. So did yes. you watch this game? Yes. How frustrating is this? No, it's frustrating, and I can't, I'm with you. I don't, I don't have answers. I don't have answers. I think they dominated the, the game. I think they dominated the game. I think they controlled every aspect of this game from start to finish. And, well, from start to almost finished. Yeah. I mean, it and then they let a team that hasn't been able to drive on them quickly all game long drive on them quickly. Yeah. And a team that hasn't been able to finish on them all game long finish on them. It, it was, it, it's, it's mind blowing. It, it's just really mind blowing. I, I don't know, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know what to make of it. I have no idea. Like, they, the touchdown drive that won the game uh, was 10 plays, 82 yards, took three minutes and 39 seconds. The very next possession, Virginia Tech throws an interception on the first play, and then you got three punts to end the game. And, and Virginia okay. Tech had an 11-play, 33-yard drive in a minute 45 and couldn't get it done, you know? Yeah. I mean, hey, So I'm with you. <clears throat> I don't know the mindset of Vatech fans, Vatech boosters, Vatech's um, administration. I, I don't know. I, I mean, if, if Fuente was the head coach at Auburn, he'd been fired. Yeah, I he'd think probably so. been fired after the Liberty game. Um, like they wouldn't have let him finish the game, the season. So, you know, it's I the last coach they had, they had longer than I was alive. So I don't know how to. I don't know how much rope he's going to get. I would imagine this year, because it is a, a you know, a pandemic season, uh, I think he will be fine right now. My only problem with saying he'll be fine right now is he, he he's done – this year doesn't look any different than every year he's been there. So how do you give him a pass on looking the exact same in the pandemic that everybody else has, that he um, has? Well, because it, you you have had multiple weeks. With, you've got a new defensive coordinator. You've got, and it, it's a, a guy that learned under Bud Foster. Right? He's a he's a Virginia Tech guy. Uh, you've got a bunch of guys that have been out multiple weeks with with COVID issues. You know, it, it, there's there's a lot of excuses to be made, but that's exactly what they are as excuses. Yeah, so, because this in non COVID years, he's looked exactly like this. Yeah. I mean, it, it it doesn't feel like anything has changed, but this year you can always, and like it, a couple of years ago, it was we're young. And then uh, one of the years it was uh, we got a bunch of injuries. And then late last year they got it going because they switched quarterbacks. And this year it's just kind of, it's just a mess. It's just an absolute mess. Um, let, let's move into the Pac-12 for a minute. And let's talk about USC. USC 34-30 to over Arizona and I it, so it, I had this on one of my screens because I I did not expect this game to be close whatsoever, and and it kind of it, it it was interesting. I will say this: like Arizona had no business being in that ball game, and yet they found a way to stay in it. And at the very end of the game, at first, did you watch any of this? I watched a little bit. Okay, so at the very end of the game, um. Arizona comes down and scores a touchdown 
with, uh, let's see, one minute and 35 seconds left, right, to, to go up. And you're feeling good, right? Except that you give USC the football back, and they go six plays, 75 yards in a minute 10 to score a touchdown and take the lead back and win the ball game. Like, it's, it's mind-blowing. This is two straight weeks against undermanned teams that USC has found a way to survive at the very end. I feel like this is going to catch up to them at some point. Like they they are playing a game next week. This is so this week they played against a team that has no film, right? In Arizona, they didn't get to play in week one. This week, they get to play Utah, who has missed two games due to COVID issues. So they still have no film going to Utah. At, do you think that makes any difference, or or is this just like Clay Helton just may really not know what he's doing? I. That's a that's a harsh way of putting that. He obviously they won both games, but I, I don't. They should be dominating these games. So I I like to see teams, and then I try to explain them away by equating them to other things that that make sense to me in my brain. <laughs> okay, this USC team is this year's Steelers team. Okay, they're gonna they're gonna go undefeated. They're really not that good. Yes. Uh, you're right. You're right. That's it, it. They're 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 not they're not a good football team. If we took USC off of them and we judged them for what they were, they might might be considered a top twenty five team. But I think we could find twenty five other teams that are better than them. Uh, I will most say of them are all at smaller schools. There are three or four. No, there. Oh hell, there's more, way more than three or four G five schools and independents that are way better than them. Way better than them. This team plays BYU. BYU beats the hell out of them. Cincinnati beats the hell out of them. I think Liberty beats the hell out of them. Their, I think Coastal beats the hell out of them. Their original schedule had, like, Alabama was their opener. I and then they that. had Notre Dame. And I think Notre Dame and Alabama would have beaten them five, yeah. five, four or five touchdowns easily. Oh, not, not even close. Not even close. They beat the hell out of them. And this is the this realistically could be the best team in the Pac-12. All right, because Oregon didn't look like no sunshine last night either. I'm sure we'll get to them. Oh yeah, we'll we'll get to them. But yeah, I mean this this was. But they but they're going to go undefeated. Every game is going to be ugly. If they continue to get the the USC bump, and they're getting double digits, you just got to keep taking dogs against them. Now I don't foresee them getting that love. I think that love is about to go away. Yeah, I, I think people are going to. I mean. I, if a lot of people did not watch them, because they were on, you know, about the same time as Notre Dame and whatnot, there were other games that you could watch. So if you did not tune in to watch them, uh, you can try and explain it away as, oh, they didn't have any film on Arizona, and blah, blah, blah. There's there's things that you can say to make yourself feel better about the uh, the USC team. But this is not a good football team. Nope. Like they're, just, they're just not. Um, they gave up 444 yards of offense to Arizona, who who has not been very good. Arizona was able to slow them down. Um, I mean, Arizona was able to run the ball on them. You know, USC had 11 penalties for 110 yards. Like, I, I just, it, they, they just ain't something right there, and, and I don't know exactly what it is. They are supposed to be uh, significantly more talented than these other teams, and they just ain't showing it yet. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they come out and they, they blow the doors off of Utah, but as it stands right now, you know, yes, I think they go through undefeated, but wins like this ain't going to get you into the playoff. It's not even going to get you in the conversation. So, no, like I said, they're not they're not even a top twenty five team in my book. I think there are twenty five teams better than them right now. 
I think I think you might be right about that. I think you might be right about that. All right, and the last game that I wanted to hit on before we jump into the conference roundtable is Northwestern 27, Purdue 20. Northwestern moves to 4-0 and on the season. This is a team that went 3-9 and last year and could do absolutely nothing. And this defense is just un-freaking-believable. They, they really might be the best defense in the country. Oh, they are so much fun to watch. And this offense, it, with, with all the eye can't they have moved into a modern style of offense, and it is fantastic. I had more fun watching this bunch last night than, than any other point this season because it was a close game, but like I knew exactly what to expect from them. They could not run the football. That's that's the only thing that really irritated me is they are still doing that. I feel like I feel like Fitzgerald is is still he's still got his hand in there, right? There, oh, hundred percent. There was no, a third they, and and short in there where they like you you knew that they were going to run the ball. You know they're going to run the ball, <laughs> and they run it at the best defensive player on the field. It, well, uh, the, a not guy only they that. haven't blocked this offensive oh. line is big and nasty and mean. Yes. There's a guy on the field for Purdue. I should have learned his name last night. That big number nine. He's the biggest, strongest off a defensive lineman I've ever seen in my life since Mount Cody. Okay. Now he's not nearly as big as Mount Cody, but this dude against a great, great Northwestern offensive line had big offensive linemen getting double teamed a lot of times being pushed three to four yards into the backfield every play and Fitz just kept allowing them to run it right at him. You know when they had success? When they ran it the other way, yes. all right? Let's uh, that, not hey, even block that guy because the, he's the guy's big name. and fat and he can't run, and let's just run around him and use that extra blocker to, to go hit somebody else. The guy's name is uh, Lorenzo Neal, by the way. Lorenzo, is it yes. O'Neal or is it Lorenzo? No, Lorenzo Neal. Neal, okay. Yes. I guess Lorenz would be a weird first name. Um, okay. And we've seen know. weird first names. It's all I good. don't know He's why good. I heard that weird. That kid is a beast. Yes. And if they wouldn't have ran it at him all the damn time, their, their rushing yards would look way different. That was coaching, it, by it, the way. It, it drove me nuts because they had a chance to to ice the game away. And, yep. and they go three and out. But they go three and out because they had a third and short. And this is what drives me crazy about a lot of coaches, right? It's uh, well, we're going to implement our will, right? Now, the, yes. the smartest coaches in the world are the ones that go, you think we're going to do this, but we're going to go the other way. It's what makes Lane Kiffin and Elias Misdirection and deceit is worth a lot. You don't have to – it doesn't have to be a dick-measuring contest every time. Exactly. And if you're going to measure dicks, don't do it against the biggest son of a bitch on the field. It wasn't even that it you was – You know the, he's got a hog. It wasn't even the biggest guy on the field. It was the fact that – Purdue had nine guys in the box at the point of attack. All you and had to do was run outside or I was anything say, else. Hey, they were doing those end arounds. Now, they had one end around that was beautiful that oh, had yeah. literally like three holding calls on it. But <laughs> I, I, they before those holding call, that one for the touchdown that got pulled back, they were doing the, the, the sweeps really well. They blocked that stuff well because their offensive line – I don't think they're Wisconsin good yet, but they're big and they're athletic, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, they're fun. And they can pull with anybody. They really can. They, they can get around and they can move. And I just, I'm with you. What They're loaded up for you to do the quarterback sneak or a dive off of guard or, or straight up center. And, and just 
just jump outside. Those edge rushers are crashing in. They have no discipline whatsoever. And as soon as they crash in, you're guaranteed three yards. I agree. I agree. It, I, it drove me crazy. I don't get it. I don't call plays for a living. I just I watch football, and I can tell you this will work. This might work if you're big enough and strong enough and whatever. But why are we getting into this pissing contest with these guys? Uh, just win the game. Northwestern's defense, by the way, uh, allowed Purdue 17 carries for two rushing yards. <laughs> yeah, Purdue didn't didn't even try to run the ball. I will tell you this. They scored in the second half, and they yep. scored a touchdown in the second half that were legit scores. I, I will tell you, now I'm biased, now, I, and I like Purdue, by the way. Okay, I don't know. I, I just, I like Purdue. I love, I love Brom. I, I find yeah. Brom to be very, 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 very likable um, and a really good coach. Um, They, the refs in this game, were letting Bell do anything he wanted offensively. That dude grabbed jerseys and arms more than anything in the world. And when the Northwestern guys would literally just like push his hand off of them or rip his hand off their jersey, he got, he got called. They got called for yeah. flags every time. And I thought either the refs are dumb or Bell is really, really smart. Uh, I think he's just really, really smart. He he's yeah, but done at this. some point in time, the refs have to see what's happening, right? You would think that, but that's that's a big part of being a wide receiver nowadays is being able to to make it look in Let real me time. Offensive pass interfering you, but make it look like you're doing it to me. Exactly. That's, that dude's going to be a good NFL guy oh, because yes. of that. But at some point in time, the NFL refs will literally run over to him and say, "We're not calling that shit, dude. You got to stop, or they're going to hit him with it." Yeah. Now that OPI, OPI on Sundays has become a big, big thing. And in college, man, they're just not calling OPI at all. So all these offenses need to start teaching the receivers to just pass interfere as as the receiver because for some reason they just don't call OPI. Uh Northwestern had seven penalties for fifty nine yards. Purdue six penalties for twenty four yards. All of those yep. penalties were pass interference except for one offsides on the defense. Yep, you are correct. Peyton Ramsey, by the way, 23 out of 36, 212 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Isaiah Bowser, 13 carries for 27 yards. Northwestern was not able to run the ball in this game, but they kept trying. 40 rushes for 80 yards. That's two <laughs> yards per carry. Um, but, yeah, Aiden O'Connell for Purdue, 28 out of 51, 263 yards passing, two We're touchdowns. He, he was all right. Like it, um, it wasn't off. Let me tell you one thing I like. I like Ramsey. I like Ramsey. This dude scares the shit out of me, though, man. <laughs> like, I complain that they are they, – I felt like the last two games specifically. Yes. The last two games specifically, they have become super predictable. They're going to run the ball on first down. If they get nothing, they're going to throw it on second. They're going to throw it on third. Or, if, or they, if they throw it on first down, which is not often, but when they do, they always run it on second down. No, not, they, they, no, they don't because if it's an incompletion, they don't. I, I've seen them not do it. But I, here's okay. the problem. So, because I've watched, I watched every snap of this stuff, man. <clears throat> so I'm complaining in our group with our Northwestern boys, and <clears throat> I was like, you know, I know y'all are dominating this game. Y'all, y'all are up pretty. This is when they were up pretty big or whatever. And then they finally throw it on first down, and Ramsey throws the worst ball I've seen him throw in triple coverage where the guy is blanketed, and it's a mirror. The the Purdue guy was running backwards and not looking, and if he was looking, the ball would have hit him in the face. 
Yes. And it would have been an easy pick. And I thought, okay, all right, I get it now. Let's just keep running the ball in first. I'd rather be predictable than reckless. Ramsey's got a whole lot of reckless in him. Oh, yeah, he's a gunslinger, man. That might be why Pat Fitzgerald has still got handcuffs. He's still got the training wheels put on this bike. You can't get too out of control. I I mean, that makes total sense. Because I think that kid's got the potential to get really out of control. I I think this Northwestern Wisconsin game next week, if it is played, uh, I feel like I, I think this is going to be a whole lot of fun. I think Wisconsin Man, I is the better know. team. I but... don't know Wisconsin's defense right now. If Northwestern couldn't run the ball the way they did against Purdue, they're not going to run the ball on on Wisconsin at all. And if they become one dimensional, I think this game gets ugly. I love Northwestern. I love this team. I really do. Wisconsin looks to be a different level, and it's – I don't know. If you get Northwestern one-dimensional, I think you beat them. Yeah, I can understand that. I also like this Northwestern defense a whole lot, and I think that they can they can stay in there even in the would, Okay, I'll agree with, with that. Wisconsin. I agree with that. So. This is going to be a much lower-scoring affair than we think. Yes, I agree with that. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, let's move into our conference roundtable, and we'll do a little rapid-fire kind of stuff. Now, some of these, we'll just jump in, and and you tell me when there's a game that you really feel like discussing. Uh, we'll start in the SEC, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the big one from last night that really ended up not being a big one at all. Florida, 63, Arkansas, 35. Uh, Kyle Trask, six touchdowns. I mean, just just ridiculous. And, and they took him out of the game. Like, he didn't even score the last one. So. All right. So, yeah, this is one I want to stop on. Okay. Um, Barry Odom is not a, a head coach for one very reason. I don't think he's not a good coach. I think in today's college football, he is way too conservative and he plays things way too safe. So, last night, coming out of halftime, they're down 21. Yep. Arkansas gets the ball after half. They drive easily and score a touchdown. They're down 14. Defense gets on the field. They've made some halftime adjustments. They make the stop. 
Florida goes three and out. They are punting from fourth and 19. All right. They are backed up in their end zone. Arkansas is about to get great field position. Arkansas has the ball on about their uh, uh, Florida's like 46, 47 yard line. Okay. Okay. So they're, they're driving. They're doing well. It's fourth and one. And he thinks about going, thinks about going, and then sends the punt team out. And I thought, well, that's where you just lost the game right there, buddy. Because if you think this is normal college football and these offenses aren't different than they used to be, and you can do, well, we got a stop last time. We'll just get another stop. No, 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 no. There's only two or three times in this entire game where you're going to get Florida to punt. If you don't capitalize on all of those times, you're going to get beat. You're on the other side of the 50. It is fourth and one, and you have been running the ball down their throat. You've been passing the ball all over the place. Your offense is good, and their defense is bad. You have to go for that. That It is a criminal, and I turned that game off the second he punted that football. Florida got the ball, scored, now back up 21 again, because that would have put them up seven if they – continue that drive and keep scoring, which I think they would have, by the way, now you're back up 21. That much more time is off the clock. Florida gets a turnover because Felipe is pressing now and, and, and they get an extra possession score again, score again. And now you're in quicksand, you're beat. When these offensive juggernaut teams make a mistake and give you an extra possession and you get away with not scoring points, if you try to play it safe and conservative, you're going to lose 100% of the time. And then you're yeah. going to get beat. You're going to get blown out. That's exactly what happened in this game. That one play took Arkansas completely out of this game. That is why Barry Odom is an excellent DC, but he is he has no business being the head coach. 100% Sam Pittman would have went for it right there. You agree? I do agree. Yes, 100%. That's, that's, because you, you that's cannot... why Sam Pittman matters to this team. Now, they, I will say this, like early in the game, uh, when the game was tied seven to seven, I think he knew what was up because at the at the Arkansas forty nine, this was the first play of the second quarter. Uh, they went for it on fourth and one when it was still seven seven. Yeah, uh, went for it on like around the fifty, fourth and one, but they try to pass and it, it went incomplete. But that, and, that's the problem is it didn't work, and so he gets away with what he believes is the right thing to do because the outcome of the last time he tried to do it didn't go the way he wanted to. That's that's yeah. terrible thinking. That's anybody who understands analytics at all knows you can't let the results of the last time tell you what's right and what's wrong. I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, I will say uh, after they did not get it on that first one uh, at the very beginning of the second quarter, Florida scored on their next four possessions, and it was a bloodbath yes. from there. It was 35, and, and then, of course, you know there was a touchdown in there to make it 21-14, to 14, uh, Arkansas, well, 21-14 to 14 Florida. Uh, yeah. but it, Florida scored two more touchdowns at the end of the half, and it was just ridiculous. I mean, it, this was this was a bloodbath. That was really surprised. Uh, Florida is. I do. Quicker, I do man. think that if they get that first down and they score and they make this a seven point ball game, that changes things because it changes oh, things yes. for Florida as well. Oh yes, absolutely. You know, because if you're Florida, do you say? We just keep gunning for the end zone, even though it's close. Or do you say, "Oh, uh, let's try to take some time off the clock and let's wear this defense down because they got us three and out last time, and let's not try to score so quickly or, you know, whatever." And everybody's at least making different calculations. Yes, you're you're at least adapting the game because the big difference between a seven point game with two and a half uh, with a quarter and a half left and a in a twenty one point game with a quarter and a half left. 
Wait, it's it's always funny. calling plays differently. It's always funny to me to hear people talk about, well, you know, that, that play didn't matter. Like, we'll get it back or whatever. It's like, no, every no. single play in a game like this changes the entire playbook the rest of the way. Like, every decision that you make from that point on is completely different because of what happened when in that you're, spot. Like, when you're playing, okay, when you're playing Northwestern, different conversation, all right? Notre Dame, different conversation because these offenses have proven they can score, but they they don't score like this. When you're playing Ole Miss, when you're playing Alabama, when you're playing Florida, when you're playing Ohio State, when you're playing the best offenses in the world that are scoring on every single possession, then then you have to and you take a possession from them, you have to capitalize on that. Oh, yes. You have to. Because you're, once again, you're only stopping them two or three times a game. Yes. A game. That's it. And if you ever give them an extra possession, you're done. You're done. It's it's the Kirby Smart way of of coaching, right? That's He and Barry Odom, very similar in the way that they go about this. And, look, you can only hold a team so long before the dam breaks, you know? And I, I... well, but this these was, offenses today, that damn breaks as soon as the ball's kicked off. Oh, yeah, it, it really I does. I mean, the first quarter, they're scoring just as much as they are in the fourth. Yeah. This I mean, isn't a wear-you-down thing. This is a we're just more talented on offense thing, and you can't stop us. Let's, if I, you stop in this us, game, you better damn well know you better take advantage. So Florida scored on the very first drive of the game, right? Yes. And, and it took 14 plays, 75 yards, 7 minutes, and 24 seconds. But then... Arkansas comes right back down the field, five plays, 75 yards in a minute, 33. Scored, scored on their own. It scored, but, but scored quick, and then you put the defense back out there. Now, they get a stop, but then they, you go that's out. That's when the defense – that's the first stop the defense got. That's the very first stop, but then they didn't get another stop at all until in the, the second, first half. No, yes, until in the first half. But then in the second half, they yeah. got another stop. Yes, they did. The, 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 our, Florida's first drive of the half, and yeah. that's, when they, that's when they cocked it up. Yep, you got it. You got it, because it, it, even at thirty-five to to fourteen, they weren't completely out of this thing. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't. Well, good. no, because Arkansas was getting the ball at halftime, and they scored as soon as they got the ball at halftime, yep. which makes it thirty-five twenty-one. And then they get the stop, and if Arkansas scores again, now it's twenty-eight thirty-five, and we got a damn ball game. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. It's just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. All right, uh, other SEC stuff. Hey. You want to talk about Lane Kiffin and the clipboard? I love I love this man so much. <laughs> 59 love... to 42, Ole Miss gets the win over South Carolina and the play in the fourth quarter. Was it the fourth quarter or the end of the third? No, it was the fourth quarter. It was, 91 yeah. yards and Lane <laughs> was celebrating before the ball left the quarterback's hand. Now he was he was known for doing that at Alabama because he could draw up a play and if it broke open the way that he wanted it to, he would call the touchdown before the quarterback ever threw the he's football. He's the best offensive mind in football. Oh, in it's so in college football, fun. he's the best offensive mind. He is. He's it. Yeah, it was so much fun. And it was so much fun to watch because he threw that clipboard 35 yards in the air, man. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. This was a fun game to watch. There was a lot of back and forth. And you were worried about this one not covering for you. Well, yeah, I was time. worried about it because I thought, and you and I kind of, you, you a little bit taught me into South Carolina quitting on their coach, okay? That's and I'll it. tell you this, South Carolina had quit. Right? They, they, they did it. They hey. fought to the very bloody end. The defense did quit in that Texas A&M game. Uh, and they you quit could, in this game, and they, they were getting their ass whipped, and they didn't quit. Yeah, no, they well, they didn't quit. They quit in the Texas A&M game because the offense could do nothing. 
Well, that's, absolutely. That's, okay, that's the world right there. Is, is they scored three points against A and M, yeah, and they scored forty against uh, uh, Ole Miss. Yeah, and and I mean, doesn't that really make sense? <laughs> Like, doesn't that make sense? I, I'm gonna tell you, I I love this old I I love Lane Kiffin, and I love I'm falling in love with this old Miss team. I I was conflicted. I'm not conflicted anymore. I'm fine. That's I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. I'm fine. I got so, I got I got a lot of got a lot of got a lot of good vibes Saturday. It was good. Well, let me uh, let me go through some of these numbers because this was quite absurd. Uh, passing yards, Matt Corral. 28 out of 32, 513 yards passing, four touchdowns. He had one rushing touchdown. They had, uh, you know, 513 yards passing and 195 yards rushing at South Carolina on the other side. And now it, Ole Miss only had 4.1 yards per rush, right? But they ran it 48 times. So, like, that's a lot. That's a whole lot. Uh, along with that, South Carolina on the other side, uh, good gracious, 230 yards passing on 29 attempts. Not bad. 17 out of 29. They ran the ball 39 times for 318 yards. That is 8.2 yards per carry. That is crazy. This was uh, a time of possession was about as close as you can get. It was about 30-30. This, I mean, 31 first downs for Ole Miss, 27 for South Carolina. Like they, I, I would have loved to have watched this game go. You know, another couple quarters. I mean, if I didn't have money on it, I wanted South Carolina to keep scoring and let's get overtime. Yeah. I think if this goes to overtime and you put South Carolina in that box of 20 yards, I think I think we have one of these teams hit 100. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Ole Miss hit, what, 64? Uh, let's see. Well, no, what I was mean, the 50, final? 59 to 42. But, but oh, 59. Still, I mean, just yeah. crazy. Just crazy. Yeah. Um, the other SEC game, Kentucky won over Vanderbilt 38 to 35. Uh, I had a ticket on Vandy plus 18 in this game because I did not think that either team would be able to score. Uh, but, boy, was I wrong. Uh, the total was 42 in this game, and Kentucky almost did it by themselves. <laughs> so Vanderbilt's, I, Vanderbilt's bad. Vanderbilt is bad, but they have not quit, man. They have not quit, and they just – Well, no, but it's a talent know, thing. They're just oh, not good. Yeah, they're just not very good. But, uh, but man, yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting game. Came down, uh, came down to the end, so – you know, 35 points from Vanderbilt on on a Kentucky defense. I just, I did not see that happening. Did not see that happening at all. Uh, moving into the Big Ten. And we've already talked about a couple of Big Ten games, but we will run through the rest of it right quick. And we'll start off with Iowa 35, Minnesota 7 on Friday night. Floyd of Rosedale headed back to Iowa City again. And I like it when coaches get a little chippy, when they get a little petty. You know, and Kirk Ferentz definitely did that with calling all three of his timeouts when they were up big at the end of this ball game, And he said to the reporters after the game, he said, well, I figured we'd leave the, the timeouts here and just take Floyd with us. <laughs> I don't know what it is about these coaches where they don't like each other, but, uh, but you could tell it. And, and you, were, you were right on the money with this one, man. You called Iowa from the very beginning and said they are going to demolish Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota is a, a bottom three Bottom four football team right now in the Big Ten. Yeah, they they lost. I, I didn't think that they had lost that much off of last season, but man, last year was just kind of a magical year. And and even in that magical year, they still lost to Iowa last year. So like, I, I think we we should have seen this one coming, and and you most certainly did. And I I felt good about it, but I didn't feel as good as you did. So yeah, yeah. This this was uh this is pretty crazy. Iowa just you know curb stomped those guys, and it was ugly ugly to watch. Tanner Morgan, by the way who was great last year. Everybody loved him. 
16 out of 33, 167 yards, one touchdown. Like, he just, you know, he, he hadn't been great this year. And it may be that offensive line. It may be, I mean, I don't know what it is, but something something ain't right there. So, P.J. Fleck got a lot of rowing to do to figure that thing out. Indiana 24, Michigan State nothing. All of the scoring in this game came in the first half. Um, and you uh, you sent over the the video of Tom Allen and his son. That yep. was a, a pretty touching moment. His son goes out with a knee injury. Uh, for those that don't know, his son plays for Indiana. For him, yep. Um, so he went out with a you know a pretty serious, uh, uh, I, I guess, a leg injury. We don't know if it's a knee, right? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's a broken leg or, or a jacked up knee, or we don't we don't know. But, so I, I don't. Yeah. I, it, nothing's broken. Uh, I, it's it's something something tore or something. I don't know yeah. what it is, but I, I don't know if it's knee or ankle or what it is. But either way, uh, Indiana. Like I had the team total over thirty. And I felt really good about it early in this well, yeah, game. Yeah, you were like, they're going to get this at halftime almost. And it and, was 24 to nothing at halftime. And well, and you they, thought, well, I'm getting 30. They almost had it in that first half, and they didn't finish a drive. After and that. Oh, my God. And I swear to you, they had multiple opportunities. Um, they threw an interception on the first drive of the game. They, you know, they missed a field goal at the end of the first half. So that didn't help. Um, they, let's see. They got the ball down to the Michigan State five and on fourth and two threw an incompletion. And, you know, and then they punted. They had another one where they, let's see, they had fourth and goal at the one in the fourth quarter with nine minutes left and threw an incomplete pass. <laughs> like, either one of those would have gotten me. But either way, it is what it is. Indiana, 4-0 in the conference, 4-0 overall. They're ranked number 10. They might move up this week. I, I don't know who they would jump, but we'll see. But they are uh, they are heading to face Ohio State this week in Columbus to see who is going to be the East representative, I believe. So we'll uh, we'll go from there. We already talked to Wisconsin, Michigan. Already talked uh, Northwestern and Purdue. Um, man, let's talk about another disaster. Nebraska thirty, Penn State twenty three, and had Penn State been playing Will Levis for this entire ball game, I think they win the game. Like, if, if you don't play Sean Clifford, I think they beat Nebraska. Like, I, did you watch any of this? Not one second. I watched more of this than I should have. This was, it, it was it was 24 to 3 at one point. It was 27 to 6 at the half. And Nebraska was only able to put up three points in the second half. And they still get the win. But... This was like so. Nebraska started Luke McCaffrey. the The Adrian Martinez experience is done. You will not see that again. He Adrian Martinez did not even play in this game. Uh, Luke McCaffrey, thirteen out of twenty one, one hundred fifty two yards, one touchdown, one pick. He had thirteen carries for sixty seven yards. He was the leading rusher for Nebraska. He had one touchdown rushing. Um, Devin Ford and Will Levis were the two leading rushers for Penn State. Sixteen carries, sixty six yards for Ford. Eighteen carries, sixty one yards for Levis. Uh, Sean Clifford. Had, was five out of eight passing, thirty-seven yards. He threw one uh, one pick. He ran the ball six times for nineteen yards. He had a fumble and he lost it, and and he got benched. And this was just like I, it, Penn State is the only team in the Big Ten that does not have a win right now, and I still think they would be favored over Michigan. Like I, <laughs> we're gonna get that game soon. Yeah, I I'm just I'm shocked. I am shocked at what Penn State has has become. They've got Iowa this week. And that I don't know that that's going to be good. And then they've got at Michigan after that and they close at Rutgers and Michigan State. So at some point they will be playing for pride and we'll see what happens. I think Iowa handles them this week. 
but I mean, obviously, I could be wrong. If if they play Will Levis, then I think they might be all right because he just doesn't seem to make the uh, the absolutely crippling turnovers. But man, uh, Nebraska happy to get that win. You know, like they they've got some uh, some difficult games coming up. They got Illinois right now, like this week, but then they've got at Iowa, at Purdue, and then they play Minnesota. And who knows what Minnesota is at the end of the season? But right now they ain't any good. So I'm I'm sure they're wishing that they had Minnesota right now. Like that'd be yep. an easy one to get. Um, and then finally, Illinois twenty three, Rutgers twenty, and did did not see this one. Didn't like I, I thought Rutgers was better than this, but Illinois, you know they they get that W, and um, you know Isaiah Williams for Illinois seven out of eighteen passing, one hundred and four yards, but. Uh, but he had 31 carries for 192 yards rushing and one touchdown. Uh, Illinois had 338 yards rushing on the day on, on 59 carries. So, not too shabby. Not too shabby. Let's uh, let's move into the Big 12. There were only a couple of games there. And, uh, man, TCU goes over to uh, to Morgantown, and West Virginia just just put a boot in them, 24-6. to Like, didn't let them do anything. Uh, this game was was interesting to watch for a little bit, and I eventually clicked off of it. But it was fourteen to three at the half, and you could immediately tell that there was nothing that uh, the TCU was going to be able to do in this ball game. I I was a little shocked on this one. Were, were you at all shocked by this? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Saturday morning, I thought, you know, I I kind of like TCU in this situation here, but no, it was just wrong. I mean. Texas Tech beat Baylor twenty four to twenty three. Did you see the ending of that game? I did not. I saw Baylor was up most of that game. So it, they Baylor just gave the game away. I mean, it, it wasn't like a turnover. It wasn't what they they just they allowed Texas Tech to uh, to get in scoring range and, and what and it, they were they were at the goal line. I mean, multiple times Baylor had opportunities to kind of put this game away and they couldn't do it. And you know, it's just a another ugly Big Twelve game. I mean, it, it was crazy that the fact that we only had. These two games in the Big 12 this week was kind of crazy. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Like, the SEC had four games canceled, but this was, um, it was, like this was scheduling. Man. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it was strange to see. Strange to see. Let's move into the ACC. North Carolina, 59-53, to 53, and this looked like a Big 12 game. This was unfreaking believable um, You know, now we've already talked Notre Dame, Boston College, and we already talked Miami, Virginia Tech. North Carolina scored 28 points in the fourth quarter and were covering with with, uh, with like, what, a minute 50 left in this game or whatever it was? Yep. Like, at you, I know that you were irate. Pissed. pissed. <laughs> Just rip shit pissed, man. <laughs> like, the whole game, they can't do anything, and they finally get it rolling, and all they have to do is make one stop. One freaking stop, and they can't do it. And I was, you know, obviously, like, Wake Forest deserved to cover here because they had put up so many points, and they had led for the majority of the ball game. But, but man, hang on now, hang on now. North Carolina, this is, but this is a problem, okay? That, had they done exactly what I told them to do, they would have destroyed this game, and it wouldn't have been close. Run the damn football. Yeah, it, but it, no, we gotta get we gotta get fancy. We gotta get Sam Howell some 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 love, and we gotta we gotta showcase him. It's not like Sam Howell was, a chance to showcase it's, him. It's not like he was bad. Thirty two out of forty five, five hundred fifty no, yards, fifty yards. He, six he was touchdowns. Great. Yeah, they kept giving the other team that they can't stop the ball. How about 
we run the football, dominate time of possession, and keep those other bastards on the sidelines. Yeah, that would have been nice. Any coach ever thought of that in their life? Just look at it from the fact that we can't stop them. And so how about we just keep them sitting over there all day? North Carolina. Because they were able to run the ball on them all day long. They just chose not to. 742 yards of total offense for North Carolina. 606 for Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest had 429 passing. North Carolina had 550. Wake Forest had 177 yards rushing on 46 carries. That's only 3.8 yards per carry. And North Carolina on 38 carries had 192 yards. That's over five per carry. Um, North Carolina had the one turnover in the game, and it was uh, it was crazy. I mean, the, the the whole the whole game was just nuts. I was shocked. I was surprised. I there like there were only two punt returns in the entire game. Um, Wake Forest punted the ball six times. North Carolina punted it four times, and. Yeah, just just nuts. I mean, this game was insane. It was insane to watch. It was like ping pong on grass, man. I just, I, I don't, it's it's weird to watch these types of games nowadays. It really is. It's just it's just strange. Uh, Virginia gets a win over Louisville, 31-17, to and that was kind of expected. Tutu Atwell did not play. JV and Hawkins did not play. Um, you know, Louisville was missing just a bunch of dudes, and Virginia came out and did what they had to do and got the dub. So nothing, nothing too surprising there. NC State thirty-eight to twenty-two over Florida State, and uh, and man, nineteen of Florida State's points came in the in the second half. Thirteen of them in the fourth quarter. So that game was never in doubt. Bailey Hockman, his revenge game because remember he was a Florida State quarterback before he transferred over to NC State, and uh, you know he went twenty-four out of thirty-four, two hundred sixty-five yards and three touchdowns. That ain't too shabby, I don't guess. So the no. ACC is is Notre Dame and Clemson and. You know, I, I guess Miami and North Carolina are, like, right behind them, but that, those two ain't even close. Ain't even close to Notre Dame and Clemson. So, um, moving on, the Pac-12. Let's talk about the Pac-12 for a little bit because we, we did discuss USC, but we have not discussed anybody else. Oregon and Washington State, 43-29, the Ducks get the W, but they had to score out of their 43 points. They scored 22 of them in the fourth quarter and, and blew my cover. Because I had Washington State plus 10.5. And, and I told you about that on the Saturday morning show over on SBR. Uh, yep. Which, by the way, go to sbrpicks.com slash NCAAF for all your college football coverage, of course. And make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube. But, yeah, 22 points in that fourth quarter. And they scored uh, a touchdown in the third. So, 29 points. They were down 19-14 to 14 at the half. And I felt good. I felt so good about it. Because I thought, okay, Rolo has got this thing rolling. I'm feeling good about it. Uh, Jaden DeLora, the, the freshman quarterback for Washington State, 25 out of 39 passing, 321 yards, two touchdowns. And, you know, they were able to run the ball a little bit, 27 carries for 100 yards. Now, that's not, you know, fantastic by any stretch. But, you know, you got 100 yards rushing on that, on that uh, Oregon defense, and you feel good. However, you know, Oregon was able to run for 269 yards on 36 carries. That's, uh, that's a lot. C.J. Verdell did what he does. Tyler Show. 21 out of 30 passing, 312 yards, four touchdowns, one pick. And I felt so good about this game just right up until the very end. And it was frustrating as hell to not be able to get that cover. Uh, I don't I don't think Oregon is is that good. But but no. their schedule is not going to give them an opportunity really to get beat. This, this, is, this is why when we talked about USC, I talked about them the way they did. It's because I 
I think them and USC aren't a whole lot of difference. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's it, it. This is not a great team, but this is their remaining schedule. UCLA, Oregon State, Cal, and Washington. Like, I don't think they'll have a whole lot of trouble with any of those. So I don't either. So, you know, we I think we're headed for a USC-Oregon uh, Pac-12 championship game, which that could be fun, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Colorado comes out and gets another W at Stanford. I mean, this at was Stanford, man. Oh, now I thought gosh. this was a lot of points from Stanford. Okay, this I, was just uh, uh, now. Now Stanford gave up thirty-five to Oregon last week, right? But Sam Neuer comes out fifteen out of twenty-four passing, uh, two hundred fifty-five yards, two touchdowns, one pick, and you know they were able to run the football a little bit. Forty-five carries, one hundred seventy-seven yards. Uh, the biggest thing here was, you know. I, like it wasn't like they were giving the football away. They Stanford had one one fumble that they lost and that was it. Like Davis Mills, thirty one out of fifty six, three hundred twenty seven yards passing, one touchdown, but they couldn't run the football. Twenty one carries, seventy yards, two touchdowns. Stanford had to score twenty three points in the second half uh, just to stay in this. I was and, just about to say just to keep it close. Like at Colorado, man, I don't know what to make of this. Like I, I, I really don't get it at all. Colorado was up twenty-eight to nine at one point, and then at the beginning of the fourth quarter, they scored again to make it thirty-five to sixteen, and Stanford was just fighting and clawing just to get back in the game. Yeah, is there a world in which uh, Stanford's that bad, or, or should we be giving Colorado just a lot of credit? No, I think Stanford could be that bad. I think I think because they beat the hell out of UCLA too. I mean, they they could have just beaten the two worst teams in that conference, right? Even still, they were supposed to be the worst team by a by a Well, large I know they margin. were supposed to, but they're obviously not. I mean, Carl Durrell did not get hired in <laughs> until March. And he had no spring. Like, he got hired in, like, D- as soon is as there the a world in which Is there a world in which a coach that might only coach six games can win coach of the year? Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, 100%. It, so, they've got... It, the schedule well, I mean, it's hard to say 100% when when BYU and and Cincinnati are going to be 11 and 0, okay? Like Oh, I thought you were talking about like Pac-12 coach of the year. No, like, I'm talking about just, coach of the year. Maybe I don't give a shit about individual no. conference. Yes. No, he he won't get In coach this of the year. conference unless Herm does something crazy. This is a one horse race right now after two weeks. Yeah, no, this. He, I, I mean, think, he's lapping the field. I, I think he he gets one more W, and and yes, he'll be three and three. They've got Arizona State this week. They've got USC. It's gonna be a tough one. They got at USC That's, the next week. They've got at Arizona, and then they got Utah. So if they get so one more, it, it, yeah, they they but yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got they got two toughies coming up. We'll see how good he is then. But you're right. I mean, he's just already even if he gets beat. In those other in those next games, it's just the the what he's shown and what this team has shown, you know, is proving to be pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, hey, did you know Jerry Rice's son plays for Colorado? I did not know that. Brendan Rice had two receptions, thirty eight yards, got his first touchdown. Pretty nice, huh? Yeah, that's sure. kind of cool. Kind of cool. He's playing for the Buffaloes. Um, Oregon State got beat at Washington 27 to 21 and you want to talk about egregious errors the so it's not just SEC officiating it's just officiating in general Oregon State has a fourth and one on the Washington 5 yard line with uh let me let me pull up this 
play-by-play here, and I'll be able to tell you exactly what it was because I, I watched it last night, and I thought that is absolutely uh, terrible, awful. I mean, it was it was so bad. There was, uh, let's see, five minutes and uh, 30 seconds left, somewhere around there, and I I was shocked. I was just completely shocked at, at what went down because they – they marked this kid short on this play, and he got two yards. Like he was, he was laying like a yard and a half past the line to gain, and the referees marked him short. And you go back and watch the review, and it was easy and clear as day. You could see it perfectly. He got that first down. They were about to score to go up twenty-eight to twenty-four on Washington, and you felt good about your chances at that point. And instead, they mark him down, and they give Washington the football back. <laughs> and, you know, Washington ends up punting, but then Oregon State has to punt on their next drive. And th- there was not long left in this game, but but Washington kicks another field goal to make it, uh, you know, 27-21, and Oregon State throws a pick at the end of the game to, to seal it. But Oregon State had that thing. And I, I called this during the show, and there were a lot of people that asked me on Twitter about this, like, hey, you, who you feel comfortable covering? You know, San Jose State or Washington. I said, I think Jonathan Smith at Oregon State is going to have something dialed up for his former uh, co-coordinator. You know, he was the offensive coordinator when Jimmy Lake was the defensive coordinator. Those guys know what works against each other. So, and I put, you know, a lot of advantage for the offense. So, I thought Jonathan Smith would have something dialed up, and he did. He most certainly did in this game. This was a close ball game. Washington is not that good. Like, I, I just don't think that they are that good. Um but, you know, a, a good first win for Jimmy Lake. They're 1-0 this season. Good to see him get a W. Oregon State moves to 0-2. But, man, um, that was that felt a little fraudulent. Like, there's nothing to say that Washington couldn't have come down and scored again. Yep. But, you know, it, that, again, what we talked about, everything that happens in a game changes the course of the game. That's right. So, if you don't allow Oregon State to score in that spot, then, because, I mean, it would have been first and goal from the, uh, from the three-yard line. But it, it, yeah. it was like the Kentucky-Auburn thing where you just see the kid in the end zone. Like, you know he got in. How in the world do you mark him short? And there was nothing that you could see where his knee went down or anything close. And he was two yards past the line. I mean, it was crazy. And and yet, uh, you know, we don't have a clear advantage. The call stands. It just blah, blah, blah. It was just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Uh, the AAC. Let's, uh, let's roll through that one right quick. And... Uh, you know, I, I was a little shocked. We'll talk about the uh, the Cincy game first. 55-17, to 17, they ran the, the score up at the end, and Mike Houston and uh, and Luke Fickle had a little confrontation at the end of it. But, I mean, Cincy, we talked about this on the Saturday morning show, Cincy has to run the score up. And I think, yep. like, it's I don't know how Mike Houston would get mad about this. When he was at James Madison, he was beating teams 84-7. to seven. Yeah, this is, this is one of those... A guy's butt hurt. He used to do the same thing. This is, I, you, know, you got to get over this crap, man. Like, if you don't want him to score, stop him. Stop him. And and I get, I get that we have a different class of talent here, but but if you as a coach have been in this situation before and you've ran the score up, you damn sure cannot ever, 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 ever get on another coach for doing it to you. You just can't. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So that was the Friday night game. Uh, the biggest game of the day in the AAC was Tulsa 28, SMU 24. And, I mean, what in the world 
Uh, Tulsa came back with a last minute. I mean, just super late last minute touchdown to um, take the lead. Well, I mean, they were they were down twenty four to seven at the half, and yeah. and they scored twenty one in the second half, and SMU did not score. Like that yeah. Tulsa defense is legit, man. Legit. And then I, I saw I saw all these people talking about. Oh well, that was. That's what you need. Like, if you're Cincinnati, you really needed SMU to go undefeated the rest of the way. And I'm like, since he plays Tulsa, like, they play them in, in a few weeks. Like, I, I think this is going to be just fine because Tulsa's going to be ranked. That's like, right. I, what, Tulsa's only got one loss. Like, they're going to be yeah. fine. I just, I, I could not understand it. Uh, you know, maybe I'm crazy. I just, I, I don't think that that hurts since he in, in the least. So No, I don't, I don't either. Um. Because either way, like it, one of those teams is going to get to the AAC championship game, and and since he still's got to beat uh, UCF this week, so uh, Army got demolished by Tulane, thirty-eight to twelve. Did you see? Did you see in this game the uh, the kickoff return that Army tried to do, where they tried to lateral back across the field? No, you haven't seen this yet. Oh no. my god, I'm going to send it to you on Twitter. It okay. may be the worst kickoff return I have ever seen. Because they tried to backward lateral it across the field, and it got picked off. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's too late, ran sometimes. It. <laughs> I guess, but good God Almighty! Uh, so yeah, Tulane thirty-eight to twelve. This was never really in doubt. It was it was fourteen to twelve at the half, but Tulane came out and scored super fast, make it fourteen to nothing, and uh, and never really looked back after that. So it, it just a different, you know, difference in talent, all that kind of stuff. Willie Fritz knows all about the triple option, so they were able to slow down Army. Um, is what it is. Houston, 56-21 to 21 on South Florida. That was never even in doubt. Never close. Davis, 28 nothing at the half. Uh, UCF, 38-13 to 13 over Temple. And, I mean, it, what what has happened to Temple? I mean, I, I, I'll tell you what happened. Rod Carey happened. Well, like, no, hang on now. It's, it's tough to put it on him. They went two for two hiring great head coaches. All right. Yeah, and, and it's both not those like guys get bad. picked off by bigger things, and and you just—it's really hard as an athletic director at a small school with pretty good academics to just continually bring in great head coaches over and over again. You're just not going to bat a thousand on those guys, man. And Anthony Russo was out for this game, so I, I know that. But I'm I'm telling you, like I, you know, my disdain for Rod Carey. Like I, I just I I'm not I wasn't a fan of him at, at Northern Illinois, and I'm not a fan of him at Temple. But how hard either. of a hire do you think that is? I mean, that's a tough place to get a job. Oh, I mean, it certainly is. I, I'm not I'm not saying it's not. Temple was able to to bring in you know obviously they had to bring in Kerry after Manny Diaz you know yeah I had say, signed with they, him and then they kind of went three for three we think. Yeah, with yeah. hiring and Diaz kind of put them in a bad spot. They were desperate. They. They kind of just got the best they could get. Now uh, but, they got a they, contract with the guy, but they're not a big money school. They're not going to fire a guy. No, no, you're right. You're right. You're 100% right. But I, I will say this. like I, The temple that we are used to seeing, we are not going to see for a little while. Yeah. like I, They are just not built to compete in this conference right now. Uh, UCF, you know, I, I was a little surprised that they didn't put up more points. They they were up 21 to nothing in the first quarter, uh, 21 to 3 at the half. Then they come out in the third quarter, put up 17 more. And then Temple puts up ten points in the fourth quarter to make it look at least somewhat respectable because it was thirty-eight to three for a minute. Um, you know, like I, I thought, I thought UCF was going to score significantly more points. Um, I didn't have like a team total or anything like that on it, 
But, you know, everybody expected this to be kind of a high-scoring game, and it, it just was anything but that. Uh, but UCF and Cincy this next week, that is uh, that should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. Mountain West right quick. Um, we're going to kind of roll through these last ones because there's not a lot of games that really mattered here. San Diego State, 34-10 to 10 over Hawaii. Uh, they did exactly what I thought they would do, just shut them down and came out pissed off after the San Jose State game. Boise State, 52-21. to 21. We watched that on Thursday night. Um, yeah, I mean, it just a complete whipping, a thrashing. And Boise State had 15 guys that were out with COVID in that game and were missing other guys due to injury. I mean, just it, it, it's amazing what Brian Harson's able to do, but we, we saw the difference. Like, we've already seen it. Like, at Boise may be a good football team, but, man, you, you saw BYU as a different kind of – different level yeah. team. So they're just they're, Yeah, they're a different animal. Uh, Fresno State, 35-16, to 16, got me a cover over Utah State. Utah State, even without Gary Anderson, is still just not a very good football team. Nevada, 27-20 to 20 over New Mexico. And, uh, and the, the last game of the night got me my last cover. I went 5-2 and two on my official picks yesterday. Uh, San Jose State, 34-17 to 17 over UNLV. That last field goal put me over – the top and San Jose State found a way to successfully play both of their quarterbacks. Uh, Nick Starkle and Nick Nash both played. Nash was more the the running threat, had eight carries for 94 yards. Nick Starkle, 17 out of 28 passing, 274 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. And UNLV was never really in the ball game. And uh, yeah, San Jose State looks really really good. Uh, Brett Brennan, the the head coach there, at probably headed for bigger things. I would imagine because it. They haven't started six or four and zero at San Jose State since like 1965. I mean, it was yeah. it's crazy, crazy. Um, moving into Conference USA, and you know, I, I, I was way off on. <laughs> I mean, just like way, way off on FAU and FIU on Friday night, 38 to 19. These neither of these teams could score until this game. Like, I don't know what the hell happened, but I had the under like 41 and a half, 42. In this game, and uh, Florida Atlantic almost busted that themselves. Uh, these are two teams that really don't like each other. I mean, really don't like each other. And Willie Taggart, you know, has Florida Atlantic sitting at four and one right now, and I don't know what's going on. Like, he just looks like a completely different coach. Like, at, what what do you think the difference is between him at Florida State and him somewhere like Florida Atlantic or Western Kentucky or whatever? Like, he was great at South Florida too. Talent of opponents. You think so? A hundred percent. So, are they just because it, it's, ta- it's talent of opponents, it's quality opponents? I guess so. Like, I, I don't think even if he even if he does if really they were well, playing, if he was playing Memphis and UCF, he'd be getting his ass kicked again. Yeah, you might be right. I'm just, I'm, I'm. So, he has to play Cincinnati. If he's in the American, if he's one league up, he's he's getting destroyed again. And they destroyed. They have not had to play Marshall, you know, yet. Nope. They hadn't had to play UAB, so. Nope. Yeah. The, 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 there's only two good teams really in that conference, and they don't play either one of them yet. Yeah. Uh, the 50th anniversary of the Marshall <laughs> plane crash, of course, was yesterday, and uh, they get a big-time W, 42-14 to 14 over Middle Tennessee State. And, you know, that, that was never really in doubt. Grant Wells, 25 out of 37, 336 yards, five touchdowns. Um, my team total overhit. So that was good. There you go. There That's you go. Nice. That was uh, that was not bad. So yeah, I had a I had a big day on Saturday. Big day gambling because a lot of my a lot of my picks ended up hitting that I gave out on the show um, on Saturday morning. So felt good about that. UTSA fifty two to twenty one over UTEP. The most interesting thing about this game is that UTSA 
was up 24 to 21 at the half and they fired well they didn't fire they they put on administrative leave their defensive coordinator Tyrone Nix at the half when they were up 24 to 21 and without their defensive coordinator they did not give up a single point in the second half to Utah that was like really shocking to me now I don't know what's going on with Tyrone Nix a lot of people a lot of rumors about he, how he could be headed to Southern Miss to take over that job, yeah. and and UTSA found out about it or something. Like I don't know why you would put him on administrative leave for that, but either way, without the defensive coordinator, didn't give up a point in the second half. Kind of kind of surprised. UTSA is five and four, man. Like it, it, we we were a little shocked at, at that because neither one of us thought they were going to be very good this year. That's uh, right. Western Kentucky ten to seven over Southern Miss, and you know whatever. <laughs> I mean, Southern's just not good. A third third head coach, third different quarterback, just not good. Uh, finally, we'll close out with the Sun Belt, and we have been prepping, and we were waiting for next week. We had Coach Jamie Chadwell on the show on Friday. Uh, go back and listen to that podcast. If you haven't got to listen to it, he's a lot of fun. He is a lot of fun. And, you know, at Coastal, their game with Troy was postponed, so we were waiting on App State. We needed App State to be 6-1 and one coming into that game to make it a big-time game, and... They were down 13 to 10 to Georgia State. Yep. Georgia State gave up 51 points and could not score on Coastal Carolina. Georgia State comes out the next week and puts up 52 points on, or no, was it 52? Was it, uh, yeah, 52 to 34 over Louisiana Monroe. I thought that App State was going to score at will in this game, and they could do nothing. And they yeah, finally, they, they didn't really do that. They finally got a touchdown. At the, they were down 10-3 to three at the half. And I was like, what the hell is going on? They're going to ruin everything. And they finally get a touchdown late in that ball game to win the game. So now we are going to have 6-1 and one App State headed to play 7-0 and Coastal Carolina. And I think it's going to be a massive game. Now, it's a noon game. It's only ESPN uh, 2. It's, it's going to be big. I don't know that it's going to be game day. Like it's, it, Well, no, game day is already going to Bedlam. But, you know, it's still going to be a massive, massive spot for, for both of those teams and for the Sun Belt. We love the Sun Belt. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Louisiana, 38-10 to 10 over South Alabama. And Georgia Southern got a win over Texas State, 40-38. to 38. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention Liberty gets a win over Western Carolina, 58-14. to 14. They are now 8-0, and oh, and Hugh Freeze is rolling in it. Did you see his contract extension this week? Yep. $3 million a year for how many years? Uh, through 2026. Yeah. I, is, Pretty good. Is there a world where he just stays there? Well, yes, I do think there's a world in which he stays there. I think somebody's going to have to blow. I, I mean, I told you that I thought after he beat Vatek, he's jumping to six. I mean, if somebody offers him six for, for four years, then I think he's leaving because, A, that's double. While that's yeah. a big job, that's double. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot. But I, I also wonder, with, with all that he had to go through at Ole Miss and, and all the Freedom of Information Act stuff and all the recruiting issues and all that kind of stuff, like, at Liberty, you don't have to deal with the conference. You don't have to deal with, really, the NCAA. Like, you don't have to really mess with nothing. Like, it, it it's all private. Like, it's a private school. Uh, I I kind of want, I mean, if you're making $3 million a year there. And no, you're right. You're right. He could stay and be happy. I thought, there was a day and a time where I thought he would never leave Liberty, ever. And, I, that, I that, still and that was earlier wonder. this year, by the way. Yeah, so. I, I still kind of wonder because, like, obviously he can win there. So, True. you know, and they've got a massive game next week against NC State. Like, yep. it's, it's not that NC State is, like, you know, some some juggernaut or anything, but, like, it, 
that's still a big time game because if they get that W man, they are three and O against ACC teams this year, and they'll be undefeated going into that Coastal Carolina game if they if they win this weekend. So big time stuff, big time stuff. Uh, you know, it, while we did have a lot of games canceled, I thought it was a pretty good weekend. No, it was still a fun weekend. Yeah, yeah we we had college football, and I'll tell you this. I appreciate any college football games that we get at this point. Like I just, I, I love this sport. I love watching these kids compete, and it, it's it's a lot of fun. But hang on, now we got to just stop looking at big boys. This is if if twenty twenty's taught us nothing. It is the separation between yes, the top tier elites, your Alabamas, your Ohio States, or whatever, is big from everyone else. But the top of all these other conferences is just as good as everybody else in all the Power Five conferences. And we, we got to stop getting rid of those guys. If only positive came from the SEC taking so long to get started and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 waiting forever to get started was we got to see a lot of Sunbelt, American, Conference USA, and and those teams are really good, really fun to watch, and, and they showcase themselves well. And college football is in good hands. And we really need to give these guys a whole lot more credit than we're giving them. Yes, I do agree with that. Um, I most certainly agree with that. Let's see. I wanted to jump in and let's see. Did you see the latest uh, SP Plus numbers? No, I don't ever look at SP Plus. So I, I figured. It, That's for you this, math nerds. <laughs> this goes along with exactly what you uh, were just talking about. The resume SP Plus rankings after 11 weeks. So this is. Uh, you know, the 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 team over what an average top five team would do against their schedule. Wisconsin is number one okay. in this metric. Alabama is number two. Cincinnati three, BYU four. And then you've got Ohio State five, Clemson six, Notre Dame seven, Florida eight, Northwestern nine, Iowa ten. I think that's I think that should be your playoff. Wisconsin, yeah. Alabama, Cincinnati, BYU. Of course you do. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Hey, I'm, I will say this. Like, Wisconsin, really impressive in their first two you games. You better be scared because BYU will get your ass too. Uh, we wouldn't have to worry about them. I think Wisconsin would handle them. Oh, I don't know so, about but that. But I, I do think I do think Cincy could give us a run for our money because Alabama can't stop the run. I'm telling so. you, 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 would, you would have a hard time stopping. If, you play, if Alabama had to play BYU – it's going to look a lot like that Ole Miss game, and you better hope that they don't settle for a couple of field goals like Ole Miss did. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. Zach Wilson they're scoring is on your man. ass every chance they get. <laughs> I can't wait. Listen, all I, need, all I want in this world is for y'all to match up with Florida in the SEC title game, and I want it to be an even, fair game. I want everybody to be ready, everybody to be at their best. I don't want one team playing the week before and the other team having a bye week. I, don't, I, want, I want level playing field. Because it's going to look a lot like that Ole Miss game, but Florida's offense is just better than Ole Miss. Yes, I a agree. A lot better. I agree. I think it's, it will be a tight game. I don't and know what be, the total will be, but I'll take the over. It'll be, and, and there's not a number they're going to make it that I won't yeah, take the over. I, I I think the total would have to be in the 90s. Yeah, but they won't make it a 90, right? Like, no, you, no, you it, know that we're not going to get a book to give us that number. I no, mean, it might it like be a, 82, 79, yeah, something like that. Somewhere around there, 82. And that ain't enough. It ain't going to so be either. enough. I don't think so either. Hey, uh, so Birdie jumped in on Twitter while we were recording this. Said, hey, guys, you really need to do uh, every game on the card for NCAA football on Tuesday afternoons. 
Please make this happen. Your knowledge of all these teams is amazing. People will make money if you do this. If you do this, both of you will be yeah, my best friend. That seems friends. like a lot of work, Birdie. That's uh, man. But like, if if I did it on Friday, maybe because I ain't got time. You know, between when the lines come out and and Tuesday afternoon to be able to to get every game on the board. But uh, that's a, that's a full time job. Ooh, it's eight. Hey, and if somebody wants to pay us to do that, for sure. Oh, I will tell you this: if yeah, if we if we could quit our other jobs and do this. Yeah, I would 100% do – we'd do a lot more than we're doing now. A lot yeah. more. And we're, we do eight shows a week, and we do more a lot more. Yep, you got that right. We put out a lot of content. Yeah, man. My goodness. All right, let's go ahead and uh, get out of here. Go over to sbrpicks.com slash NCAAF. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Sportsbook Review YouTube page. You can go over to YouTube and search for SBR Picks. Very easy to find over there. We do opening lines on Monday. We do our deep dives and picks on Tuesday. And then we do our closing lines on Saturday morning before the games kick off. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast. If you're listening right now, that means that you are already listening to the podcast. Uh, this is a podcast exclusive. We do two of those a week on Sunday and Thursday. Then we do our Monday, Wednesday, Friday live shows around 4.30 p.m. Central Time, God's Time Zone, of course. And, uh, and yeah, make sure you head over to the website, winningcureseverything.com. Everything you need to find out about us is over there. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at GaryWCE. I'm at Chris B. Giannini. And uh, and I guess we're gonna get out of here. Is, that, is there anything else that we need to hit? No, I feel it's like I feel like we hit everything. Yep, <laughs> which is perfect. All right, you guys take care of yourself, take care of each other, and uh, and next week, what do you say we cash some tickets? Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com, or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.